the opportunity was so great in my estimation and my junior partners, you know, we collaborated and, you know, we went all in on this because I think our partnership allows us to be the best version of ourselves, quite frankly. We've outsourced a number of the non-revenue generating tasks, you know, headache, you know, type tasks, if you will, that Steve sort of uh, pointed to. And we're really focusing on our clients, you know, client value. And we've really been able to, been able to increase the scale there. My name is Stuart Silverman. I'm president of Blue Spring Wealth Partners, and I'm here to interview three presidents of wealth management firms that Blue Spring has acquired and invested in over the last year or two. Uh, what we're going to talk about is what it's like to actually sell your business, what it's like to monetize years of hard work, your risk, your client service. And I'm going to ask them some firsthand questions to hear the experience honestly, in hindsight, what they might have done differently, what they learned, et cetera. So with that, I'm very pleased to introduce Steve Gallo from U.S. Financial Services, Tom Fee from Vector Wealth Management, and Mike Frazier from Adel Frazier. And with that, rather than me introduce you, I thought it'd be best to turn it over to you. So why don't we start with you, Steve? Give us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your firm, if you don't mind. Hi, Stu. Thank you. Steve Gallo, I'm one of the three founding partners of U.S. Financial Services. Our main offices are located in Fairfield, New Jersey. We have 25 total employees we also have a, an office in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Myself and one of my other partners uh, are CPAs uh, by trade. So if we had a niche, it would really be small business owners and, and estate planning. But um, And we joined the Blue Spring in July of 2020. So we're still newlyweds. So. Well, I go to my, my oldest non-newlywed friend, uh, Tom Fee from Vector, who joined us about a year and a half ago. Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself and your firm, please. Well, thanks, Stuart. Uh, Vector Wealth Management, we're located in Minneapolis. Um, we have uh, 20 staff uh, and our, I guess our niche is really uh, uh, income streams and retirement. Uh, we've uh, I've got a proprietary application that we have developed about 20 years ago that has uh, really successfully helped us navigate some pretty extreme market, uh, market experiences. Welcome, Tom. And finally, the newest member of the Blue Spring family, I'd like to welcome Mike Frazier from Bedell Frazier. Mike? Hello, Stuart. Thank you. I'm Mike Frazier, uh, President and CEO of Bedell Frazier Investment Counseling in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, the firm was founded in 1975 by one of the first women RIA in the industry. I joined her as a succession plan in 2002, became partner in 2004, and grew the practice to $600 million, uh, we just hit this year. Um, we have a team of 13. Uh, we do comprehensive wealth management, uh, retirement planning, education planning, and we're active managers with individual stocks and bonds. And we're a 45-year-old startup is the way I view it. And we are five months into this relationship with Blue Spring. So as the newest firm and as obviously the youngest guy in the panel, Mike, tell us what motivated you to actually sell and, you know, and why. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I get that a lot. I, Quite frankly, I had no plans on selling whatsoever. I mean, as the second generation, I bought someone else's firm and I plan to continue to grow it. And we have a third generation in place. I have younger partners um, who were accumulating uh, equity in the company. But truth be told, the big issue, um, I think that set a tectonic shift in the industry and under my feet. And keep in mind, I live seven miles away from the Hayward Fault. Um, so I know what that feels like. But when Schwab uh, announced they're acquiring TD, 
I felt like our business was changing, the industry was changing, and our practice, you know, was going to change. And so I felt the need to just figure out what's going on. M&A had been a big theme for, you know, a couple of years. And I just wanted to see what our options were, because what got us here wasn't going to get us there. And scale was going to be essential. And I thought maybe a partnership, you know, would be in the cards. And when I learned more about uh, the platform that Blue Spring was offering, I got more interested and we decided to sell because we feel like we have a much stronger platform and we secured our legacy as well as our future. How about you, Tom? You're the uh, the longest lasting relationship within with Blue Spring, so at least on this screen. So tell us a little bit about that. And by the way, guys, we all know each other really well. We're friends as well as partners. So feel free to jump in, uh, interrupt, ask questions, et cetera. This is more of a dialogue and a a free run thing of, of, of discussions. Tom? Well, I was, I was going to say, Stuart, that as long as you're nice to me during this call, this relationship will continue, but I'll, I'll not. Make it. So, uh, you know, I, I took a little bit longer view. And, you know, uh, from my perspective, I remember back in the 70s when there was a consolidation that happened with some trust business in the United States. And and I, I started the firm about 28 years ago as a single founder and, uh and it just, you could see really in the infancy of that, of our industry, the RIA, the fiduciary, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start someplace and it's going to end someplace. And I looked at other businesses that were somewhat like it. And, and I saw how the consolidation had occurred in the 70s with independent trust companies. And I thought, well, um, we have to go through that same thing. We like to think ourselves as unique, but inevitably, all industries have comparables. And, and so uh, actually, at, uh, as before, we were early in the days of thinking about what we wanted to do, uh, I was forced to go to a particular meeting where I was the longest running prospect in the history of this one firm that was doing an acquisition. Uh, and I had to admit that in front of many partner firms. But, and that's because I, when I started looking at it, I was really seeing, you know, it is going to happen, but I don't, I'm not looking for, some kind of a, a roll up and then turn it from a seven time multiple to a PE ratio. So I wanted to, I wanted to be there when the partnerships made sense where there, there was value brought the equation for our clients. Cause ultimately if this isn't in the good and best interest of our clients, I'm, of our clients, I'm not interested. So we did go through this process and about three years ago, it, it, it became evident to me that for many of the reasons that, uh, Mike mentioned that this would make sense. And so I was just going one direction and that thought, well, if I'm steward of this firm, I have to look deep. And so we did a deep dive, looked at 30, narrowed it down to 10, met with those and brought it to three and then selected Blue Spring for much of the same reasons. I think there's, uh, there will be, you're always going to have independent firms, but there's, there's real value to that. I feel can be brought when you when you when you partner with with someone like Bluespr. And Steve, how about you? What motivated this? And uh... well, we, you know, uh, as I mentioned, there was three founding partners, and we had uh, two. I don't want to say junior partners, two younger partners. So we had put together a succession plan uh, with the intention that they would eventually take over the firm. And I think we were kind of a, a victim of our own success. The firm became so valuable at one point, we started looking around saying. Are you guys really going to be able to take this over and pay these kind of numbers? And am I willing to take a note back and wait for a check every month for the next 20 years? Uh, one other interesting question came out from one of our uh, younger partners. Um, he came into my office one day and he said, you know, Steve, this is great. He goes, but who's going to do what you do? Uh, I've been kind of the administrative partner all these years uh, with the CPA background and kind of ran 
budgets and numbers and paid bills. And, you know, these guys are all great advisors, but none of them had that kind of a background. So Blue Spring gave us a great opportunity. Uh, first of all, we knew who we were getting to, into bed with. Stu and I go back a lot of years and it allowed now somebody else to take care of all that back office stuff that I've used to do and let my uh, partners just do what they're good at, which is being financial advisors and taking care of our clients. So. Well, I can say, uh, and the viewers might not be aware of this, but I also sold my business. It'll be nine years uh, in July. So having been on your side of the table, I know what it's like. One of my biggest fears was I'm an entrepreneur. Don't tell me to wear a, a, a white shirt and a red tie and a blue suit. Don't tell me where to go. Let me be creative. Let me think out of the box. So I asked that not by setting you up. And I guess I'll start again with you, Tom, since, uh, since you've been around the longest with this group. Have you felt like your entrepreneurial energy and juices have been squelched? What's really changed? And I'm not trying to tee up on this. What's really changed for you since the acquisition and the partnership? Well, uh, when you said with this call, you wanted me to wear a red tie, Stuart. Okay. <laughs> you might have been teasing, but you did bring it up yourself. No, really, that that's a huge thing for me. Is that we we have a way of operating. Uh, it, 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 many of the firms in our industry are very entrepreneurial, like like Vector, and and uh, it's having gone through uh, the, the process of seeing uh, have having Blue Spring take the things away from us that weren't accretive to our clients. The you know the the legal, the accounting, the the, the all of the, the human resource aspects, and having that lifted off. Uh, really, what it was, it was a. It, and probably Steve would weigh in on this too because that was part of his role. It's a it's a, a liberation to really focus on where we can bring uh, value to our clients. Uh, I have never felt and lots of interactions and. When you when you join a partnership like this, you seek out, you want to say, okay, you you're going to bring value, bring value, and and on many occasions, either just uh, to the chance to uh, uh, consult on some complex issues, or really to talk about business things that we need to cover. I would say ninety five percent of the time, when I hang up the phone, I said, this is why I did this. This is part of the reason I did it. So it it has not. I've not found it restrictive. It's more liberating than anything. And I, and I really do value and cherish the word partnership because that's what it is. How about you, Steve? Again, you've been around for a while. Has a lot changed for you? What has changed? Uh, uh, my life has become a lot easier. I'll give you that much. Um, yeah, no, uh, all the changes have been in a good way. Uh, like I said, a lot of the things that all used to fall on my desk have now uh, gone off to Kester and Blue Spring and pay, you know, payroll and HR and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But you know, we alluded to entrepreneurship, but I worked my first two years out of school and that was the last time I was on a W-2. So when we sold out in July, I was kidding around my kids saying, I'm back on a W-2 again for the first time in 40 years. <laughs> they said, good, give your boss a hard time. So I, said, I, was, I was thinking about it, but no, um, it's been great. I mean, we are running our business the way we've always run it and been allowed to do that. And um, so again, it's always a concern. It was a concern I think the staff initially, when the, when the announcement first came out, we sat them down and told them what was going on. And we assured them up front that nothing was going to change for them except for the better. And I think if you talk to them, they will agree that that's what it's been. So it's, it's really um, has been a pleasure from that point of view. So. I think one time I asked you the question, your comment was, well, I got to fill out an expense report. This is true. That was true. And that, that, if you, if you look, I have not filled out a hell of a lot of them, which is good. I'm not spending any money because I hate filling out expense reports. So. I thought it might be COVID, but okay, you go with that one. No, that's That'll part of it, I guess. How about you, Mike? You're the newest member of the family. It's been four months, so we're probably still in the honeymoon. But 
I know we've we've really rolled up our sleeves together and worked on some really interesting projects, including because again, we we try to go deep with our partners on the services and 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 support that they need. And uh, I'd love if you could talk a little bit about some M and A work we've been doing together, maybe some marketing work we've been doing together. Because again, it's only four months, but I think it's been a lot of fun already. We've gotten to know each other well, at least on Zoom because of COVID, we've never actually met, which is interesting. Right. I think that's what made this transaction you know, so interesting because I'm such a relationship guy and there's no way I would have done something like this without having, you know, the in-person interaction and kicking the tires on the facility and whatnot. But the opportunity was so great in my estimation and my junior partners, you know, we collaborated and, you know, we went all in on this because I think our partnership allows us to be the best version of ourselves, quite frankly. We've outsourced a number of the non-revenue generating tasks, you know, headache, you know, type tasks, if you will, that Steve sort of uh, pointed to. And we're really focusing on our clients, you know, client value. And we've really be able to, been able to increase the scale there. And, you know, I'm a creative thinker. I'm a creative doer. And, you know, I mean, just interacting with you, Stuart, and, you know, sort of mapping out an uncharted, you know, plan is pretty exciting. And, you know, we have visions of creating a bit of an RA hub on the West Coast. You know, there's there's a lot of competition, but I think that the entrepreneurial approach that we're taking is unrivaled in the industry. And we're already attracting a number of uh, sole proprietors, you know, as tuck-ins. Um, I think the fact that, you know, we're stock pickers, individual stock pickers in the Bay Area, we own a lot of, you know, companies, that are in our backyard, um, that attracts a lot of the old school sole proprietors. And, you know, we are close to closing one. And I think there's a number um, down the road um, that I think it's going to be an opportunity and it's evolutionary, right? I mean, the industry succession is such an important issue and, you know, we're creating a landing spot that's going to be attractive philosophically as well as strategically. Yeah. And by the way, congratulations. I did see the letter of the LOI just came in. We've got your first merger. Uh, really exciting, great firm, and uh, it's only four months in. And I know we're we're really aggressively trying to to build a great hub on the West Coast together. So, so I'm already would, moving on the next one. And uh, and one thing I know you mentioned stock picking. Uh, our feeling is every firm has a secret sauce, and we don't want to take it away from you or tell you how to do it. Where Mike's firm might be more picking stocks, someone else might be using money managers, someone else might be using low cost ETFs and whatever else. Uh, how you your secret sauce that makes your firm you that's created your culture that's kind of the fiber of who you are and your legacy that's things that we never try to change and i love that because knowing all of you you all have some creative nuances in your firms that make you special and unique and to us our feeling is put those on steroids let's not squelch them but uh, i think that's such an important point because most acquirers in the industry i think are creating this national platform and they want you to convert to their way and the you know, what I found, you know, going through the process was Bluespring was very much a partner. You know, they're an investor and in investing in us and recognizing the value that we provide. And, you know, I, I, I learned from Tom Fee the first time we spoke, you know, and I totally agree that in the RA industry, we're all on the same side of the table. We have different methods, different philosophies, different ways of providing value for clients. And that's what's so important. And Bluespring is investing in those unique elements and it's a relationship business, right? Yep. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Blue Spring, at least in our experience, they're not trying to fit everybody into the same box. Uh, you know, we sat down and, and negotiated our deal out with Brett, and he, they really took the time to understand our firm and know whether one was a good fit for them 
but to make sure that they were set up to, to help us be as good as we are. So, um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, that everybody trying to fit you in that same peg, you know, the same, the, the, the same peg in the hole, it just doesn't work. At least it didn't work for us. So that, that's what made this such a sweet deal for so. And I could, uh, Stuart, if I could just weigh in on that also, um, you know, the one of the things I found most attractive about Blue Spring is it truly is entrepreneurial. Now, you can you can say that it's, it's a buzzword. It's like the word partnership. And somebody said, I want to be your partner, run, you know, too often. And but with this, it has been. And, and the proof for me has been uh, and not that, it, you know, it's the, I, I've been drawn on as a research for Blue Spring as they're shaping what they want this to look like. So, and, and, and Mike said it well, as you know, if you're, if you're talking to one of, one of the roll-ups, it's, it's, you're, you're going to become one of them or a part of it and absorb totally in it. And there are different models that are out there, but the entrepreneurial aspect in reviewing 30 and going to 10 and down to three, the absolutely most entrepreneurial presentation that I received was Blue Spring and it was a high draw for me. And it has validated it through my experience where I've been seen as a resource and kind of shaping what this is going to look like. And and it it and it isn't done. And I love that because you know that's that's just like, you know, oh, it's just too much fun. I'll stop there. No, sometimes Tom, I was actually going to turn to you because sometimes I I use your firm as an example because we we are learning as we go and we will continue to learn and we're a partnership, so everybody's going to weigh in. So I frequently go to you and any other members of this panel to ask questions, say, what do you think we should do differently? What could we do better? Like you do with your clients as well. But your firm was really interesting because I believe you had six partners ranging in age from, well, the old guy, I don't want to mention his, his age because he'd be a little embarrassed and he's on screen, but to the youngest guy who was, I think, mid-30s and all in between, all ages in between. What was that like? I mean, that's a, a everyone's at a different stage in their life and their career. And I know from Blue Springs perspective, our goal is to create a career trajectory and and a place where they can they can retire someday as well and they can see their future. Uh, good, you know this is uh, this is where I could go along. So feel free to do this if I get too going. Right now, topic, but... <laughs> yeah, that was a little fast. So uh, in 2017, we we concluded a merger. We I merged another firm that's a bit smaller than us into us. We were about. 600 million, they were about 300 and some million. So we it came in around eight to 900 million together. Uh, and and it wasn't too long after that. And, and what came in, the reason I did it was we we're, we're part of the, uh, the the referral programs of the custodians. And uh, and I was taking that role on. And so one of the younger partners in this other firm that we merged with uh, was really adept at that particular niche, if you will. And so it made a lot of sense because I was trying to actually, because I think Steve alluded to is replace me. So, um, so what we we got was we got a little bit more scale, which I thought was important. And the second thing is we brought in some young blood, second generation uh, leadership potential, and and then also inside of my firm, we had a you know a, a senior partner. She was in her, in her late forties. And then somebody else who was just a really a strong individual that was in their 30s. So you had this, and then I had a partner retire. So now you had me in my 60s, and then the next was in their 40s, and then in their 30s. So we were really well positioned for that transition. So you could actually almost to your point, or actually to both Mike and Steve's point, is that there are younger principles present. 
bringing them in, there was a period where there was some discussion on our side that were they actually ready to do this? And, and it was a process that they had to go through to get there, but they did get there because they could see the value proposition that was coming forward and how much sense it made for us to get to that next level or to really get uh, successful at inorganic growth. I mean, if you think about it, when we did the acquisition, okay, Stuart, I haven't seen you given the cut yet, so I'm gonna go a little longer. We, we, um, you know, we, we took on debt to buy out a senior partner and to buy out one of the partners of the other firm. And now we've got this debt equation. Okay, so let's go get more debt so we can grow. And so it really made sense to have a, 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 an economic and strategic partner. And, and that's part of the reason that Blue Spring came forward. You know, it's as we talk about that next generation of wealth managers and financial advisors, or G2 as the industry refers to them, one of our main missions at Blue Spring was to really work with those G2s to give them a, give them again not a, not just a trajectory of you know building mega firms having fun seeing what they they could be running a multi billion dollar wealth management firm that they could actually grow in their career and also grow financially and with equity incentives and with compensation and with these huge firms. But I know Steve, your firm was really interesting when we talked about this because I think when I first started talking to you guys. Uh, the, the younger generation, we're talking about buying you out, and now they're in our G2 program. So I'm curious how that's going. Yeah, both Matt and Joe, and, and you talk about ages, Tom, Matt, Matt's 50 and Joe is 35, but they both had small uh, minority partnership interests when we did the acquisition. And so there was, obviously, we had to sit down and talk to them about, you know, we were contemplating this deal. How does this all work? They, um, they're really excited. First of all, they're, they're loving the G2 Academy and, and um uh, and I, I talked to Philip and they're excelling now, which is great. But they they realize there's an opportunity here for them to really to grow without taking on this debt. And Tom, as you alluded to, you know, as a CPA, I was had my own accounting practice for 25 years. I said the biggest failure in business are people who are undercapitalized. So if you now have these young guys and they're taking on all this huge debt, now that becomes that pressure of paying that off. Uh, it really cuts into their ability to succeed. So you know, they really welcome the opportunity and are really thrilled with the way it's you know turning out. Uh, and I think I'm confident that with, by the time they're done with the G2 Academy in another year and a half or so, I will feel much more comfortable stepping aside and kind of letting them take over, ease into running you know, or being the oversight for Blue Spring, I should say. But um, so. so a big question, I'm going to throw this out to everyone wants to answer it is looking back in hindsight, what, what would you have done differently or what advice would you give to someone thinking about potentially monetizing some or all of their practice. Anyone want to start with that one? Yeah. Uh, well, I would, I'll start. Just, I mean, I don't know if I do anything differently. I, I think more of being prepared. Just make sure you're prepared. One, like we say, this is a process. There's due diligence involved. Make sure you have your house in order, all right, because there's going to be some digging and, and rightfully so. So they need to know what, what the Blue Spring needs to know what they're buying. Um, so, you know, you want to be prepared for that, not only in the physical compliance end of it, but I think you got to be prepared emotionally. You got to really make sure uh, that you are ready for this. Uh, and, and not everybody is. So, uh, you know, you're either very committed to the fact that knowing this is the next stage of your, your business career and it's going to allow you to take some chips off the table and, and uh, all of that. But not everybody looks at it the same way. And, and there is a, a definite I don't want, it's not ego. It's just that, that it's your baby. You know, we've all grown these practices from, from startups and now all of a sudden you're kind of letting go and there's that fear of becoming irrelevant. All right. So um, you, you got to make sure you're ready for that. So 
I, I guess I'll jump in here um, because four months into this thing, I would hope that you would think that I wouldn't regret anything, that I wouldn't do anything different. And that's the case. I think we did it absolutely right because early on, you know, we just spent a lot of time just studying the industry, studying the dynamics, you know, what acquisitions were happening, what was going on in the industry, what was going on in our internal practice, right? You know, going through the pandemic you know, really forced you to reassess everything. And, you know, my junior partners and I had a lot of really meaningful conversations of what we wanted our future um, to look like. And, you know, the path forward was very much, you know, what Blue Spring was outlining. And I think that's where we congregated in that direction, you know, very easily. Um, there wasn't any friction whatsoever because we understood and we, you know, were intentional in the decision that we made because we informed ourselves on what was out there, what our options were, but we needed to do something. And I think that's where most people in the industry right now are recognizing they have to do something because if you don't evolve, if you don't change, you, you know, you run the risk of, of being left behind. And I think that younger generation, even more so than anyone else. So my life hasn't really changed professionally at all. In fact, I'm spending more time doing the things that I really enjoy and taking on new strategic challenges. But I also think that, you know, with our staff too, you know, not just our junior partners, they see a clearer path for success ahead. They feel like they're part of a much stronger platform and that's exciting, you know, and then we feed off of each other's, you know, positive energy and, and, you know, attitude. So, so far four months in, I wouldn't change anything. What about, you know, uh, we're, we're going, sorry, Tom, you're going to, I didn't mean. Yeah, I was just going to, you know, Stuart, there's three guys on the panel. Would you let me speak once in a while? <laughs> Well, you went so long last time, I, I had to cut you off. <laughs> so, no, you know, if I would do anything different, I was thinking about this and I couldn't come up with it. And, you know, I would do something different. I would have made this decision earlier. Uh, I, I was very, you know, there was a point, it was thinking parts of the evolution that our firm was going through that this may have been the right time. But if I, in hindsight, could do anything, I probably would have made the decision earlier. It just makes so much sense. That's interesting. And I, I remember, Steve, you have an accounting background, obviously, and I do remember, and it was only, wasn't even a year in July, but one of the things you started talking about, you, you put your accounting hat on for a little bit and talking about the market, the multiples, the, the tax environment. Has, has your change, thinking changed again? It's almost a year of it. That uh, not at all. I mean, look, it's the same thing we tell our clients, right? You want to buy low and sell high. I mean, I, as a profession, our industry is probably at the highest multiples it's ever been at. And, you know, the... And I look at age, right? So I'm up in Tom's category, not quite that old, but I'm getting close, right? So you think about it, if, if the market's going to have a downturn and it, you know, it's inevitable, eventually it will, do I want to be now looking to sell when the market's just dropped 20%? But also from taxability, look, we're talking about some major tax changes out there and, and being able to make this, this deal at a capital gains tax rate rather than as an earned income tax uh, rate, it, it was significant. So I think our timing turned out to be perfect and that was not, you know, just worked out that way to a certain extent. But uh, as Tom said, you know, I think, you know, one of my partners is 68, I'm 63, Jerry's 60. And then you have the two younger guys. So for us, you know, we weren't going anywhere, but this was the perfect time to make the deal. Now you can be here for a few more years, or as long as you want to, but you've taken those chips off the table. And, and the key for me is paving the way for those young guys. Cause I think now it makes it very easy for them to, to excel as financial advisors and see that they have a path to, uh, equity-like ownership going through and, and compensation. So, um. and how about you, Mike? I think about you because when I first, when we first launched Blue Spring, we'd say, "Well, the typical wealth manager, 
or principal founder of a firm, mid early fifties to late sixties. But here you're in your you're in your late forties when we first met, and your partners are in their early forties. How has that influenced you? Is that are there regrets over that, or where are you, how are you feeling about that? Because I'm excited, and we're finding younger and younger firms we're actually investing in because that's the future of the industry. But any regrets? Any seller's remorse? Any rethinking of that? No, no seller's remorse at all. Um, here I'm 49 and I have a junior partner who's 40 and the other is 38. And the way I look at it is it was just an end of a chapter of a very good story and off to the new one. And, you know, I mean, I have no plans to retire probably ever. I couldn't imagine what that would be like. I will always be focused on doing something and I get excited about the opportunity ahead. And so I think it's the intellectual challenge you know, that drives me every day, quite frankly, you know, I, I, and my team is just committed to providing value every day to our clients. And there's so many ways to do that. And my junior partners are all on board on that. And, you know, they've got a, a big runway ahead and I think the opportunity is so great. So um, we, we're going to take on challenges that we would probably not be able to succeed independently. I think there's the dynamics have changed so much. And I go back to the Schwab and TD deal. I mean, that was a tectonic shift in the industry, but we're in a disruptive industry already, right? So we got to get in front of things. We get paid to anticipate, but we've got to act too. And I want to stay in, in front of that curve. Mike, I will tell you that financial advisors never retire. We just fade away quietly. <laughs> right. <laughs> the difference is now in this day and age and with a model like this is the business lasts forever. You guys stay around as long as you want. And, and it's funny you say that because one thing we've noticed at Blue Spring is 95 plus percent of the firms that we acquire are people like me. I sold my business. I was 50 years old. It's now I'll be, I'm 59 and I'm still doing the same thing and, or new things with the same company and having a lot of fun. We stay around after we sell, not just because of the money, but because we love the industry. We love the people. Our clients have become our families, but that trend is uh, people staying long beyond their earnouts. So typical earnout might be two years, three years, five years, but we're seeing people stay on forever, but doing what they love. And that's a trend. Is that, do you think that'll continue on? And looking at all three of you, do you see yourselves in the old days, it was work to your 65, retire and go out and play golf or travel or whatever. But I feel like we're seeing a different trend now. Is that? Yeah. If I may, I think you know, I sold my accounting firm 25 years ago. Sold out my interest. And I still have those clients that call me because in their head, I'm still their accountant. And they'll have me call the young guy. I say young guy. I hired him out of college. He's now in his mid fifties. But anyway, he um, you know call him you know to to kind of smooth things over. So I, I anticipate the same thing in this business. You'll you'll never clients all have my cell phone number and they'll call me forever, and I'm fine with that. You know, but you're getting away from the stuff you don't need, want to do every day. The nitty gritty of running the firm, client service that never bothered me, and I'll do that as long as I'm physically able to do it. So great. So. We're getting near wrap-up time, but I did want to sort of open up to you guys and see anything you wish you'd said, you wish you had done differently, you'd rethink, or any advice you give to anyone watching this, this podcast. Because, again, our goal is to share knowledge, to help people learn and grow and, and take something away from this. So any takeaways or suggestions or advice you'd give? We'll let Tom start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, I, I was thinking about this and I, I didn't want to forget it is that it's it's come up in a couple of different times and you know we are you know we're stewards of the firms that we have and and that's that is that doesn't change based on who has equity in the firm and who doesn't 
but there's, you know, and, and we have to be, that stewardship is about being with our partners and making sure that we get the best economic opportunity. And I, I echo Steve's thoughts, you know, this is, you know, money is cheap. The, the supply and demand is favors the sellers to a certain degree now and tax laws are going to change. Those are all advantageous monetary things that you should think about. But ultimately what's you, what's popped up in this conversation, which I think is really important. This is about our clients. The reason we are fiduciaries is because it's the best model for them. It's to act only and solely in their interests. And that means who we choose to bring on as financial partners or sell to as much as it does where we custody or what kind of products we buy. So in every part of this process, and what I love about our business, I love about this conversation is that they they always are central, whether it's Steve or Mike or I saying it. We are we are stewards for our clients' financial lives first, and and so uh, I, I would just counsel that that's that's why we chose Blue Spring. We think they're a partner that that support that in in their in their soul. If I had anything to offer, I would just say be honest with yourself. Um, you know, too many advisors have the idea that hey, I can do this forever. And again, getting back to what Tom says, it's about your clients. Because, you know, we can do this for a long time, but God forbid you can't one day and you haven't put the uh, people in place to take care of your clients. What happens then? This is not about the money. Although, you know, whenever you say it's not about the money, it's always about the money. But bottom line is, you know, making sure that your clients are in a good position because whether they're voicing it to you or not, as you get older, they're all thinking it. You know, what happened? You know, I, I love Tom. I love Steve. But what happens if he's not there? Is, the, you know, am I now out there looking for somebody else or is there a transition or a succession plan in place? So we do need to look ourselves in the mirror and make sure you're being honest. So. Mike, last but not least. Yeah. Competition is fierce. You know, I think the industry is going after our model, but we as fiduciaries are held to the highest standard and for a reason. And it's a relationship business. It always will be, you know, there's so many ways to scale and systems and software are important investments that every growing dynamic firm needs to make. But when it comes down to it, the clients are the why, and it's a relationship business. And I think that as long as we never lose sight of that and recognize why they chose us and why they continue to work with us, and we need to make sure that that becomes repeatable, right? for generations to come way beyond us. And I think that's the opportunity. And it's one of the reasons we went with Blue Spring is because, you know, we were very much in in alignment philosophically, you know, high deal of integrity. And to me, that's everything. It's a relationship business and we're in the business of life. Well, thank you for all that. One thing I can say, and I know all of you really well after this, because this is a partnership, this is a friendship, this is a long, long long-term relationship. And I've gotten to know you well. And one thing I hear from every firm that we've actually invested in and partnered with is, I actually hear four things. Number one, I want to get top value for my business. I worked hard to build this and I'd like to, as Steve said, it isn't isn't about money, but it is. And this is a good time to look at this if it's right for you, just because you can get top dollar for your business. Number two, I want to make sure my employees are well taken care of. They helped me get here. I want to make sure that they feel the rewards of this and feel good about their futures and their security and what we're doing. The third piece is I care, I care very much about my clients. They become my friends. I've made a lot of promises to them and I care very much that they are very well taken care of and that there's no takeaways, that they're not giving up anything. I'm doing this because they get more, because we can enhance the experience. 
And the last thing, I care very much about my legacy and knowing all of your firms and the legacies you've created. I mean, that's so important. I'd say that's probably number one on all of your lists, because again, we have made promises to our clients. We've made promises to our employees and we want to make sure we live up to them. And as a business owner, I understand that. I live, eat, sleep that and breathe that every day. And I know all of you do too. So I'm going to kind of leave on those no that note because I know all four of you would echo that. I know the businesses that fit us culturally and culture is everything. Those are what they have, the commonalities, and that's what we strive for. But with that, I'm going to close down this session and thank you all for joining us for this session of Blue Spring Out Loud. Have a great day. Thank you.